So first and foremost, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you're listening to this. Thank you for listening to an episode of The Outsider's Edge. For those of you who are not aware, The Outsider's Edge has been a show that's existed for about five or six years, most recently and currently on the Chairshot Radio Network, where you are advised to often use your head. The reason I speak of it in slightly past tense terms is because y'all ain't seen us for a minute. We've been gone for four or five months? Has it been at, le- at least, yeah. I don't think we've had an episode since before the Royal Rumble. Oh my god, yeah. So there you go. That puts it in perspective. This is we're recording this on Sunday morning of May 22nd. So um of course it's your boy Rance, aka Ray Cash. In case you have forgotten, yes, I still exist. I am with my good brother, the the coda to my Kenny. Are you still the coda to my Kenny? Always, baby, always. All right, you know, things a little iffy there, but I appreciate that. My boy, the sage of the squared circles, the doctor himself. Mr. Well, sorry, Chad. Mr. Kyle Morris. What's up, I mean, my man? You know, no shade to Chad. We, You and I go back, though. You and I go back. 100%. There could be more than one doctor. Exactly. And, you know, if you don't want me to be the Coda D or Kenny anymore because of how weird and rocky those things always are, um, I don't know. I'll just be the Sean to your hunter. Or, you know, if you if you really want to keep it up, LG, LGBTQ, you could be the alley catch to my us to my Effie. Oh, sweet. That's super that? sweet. That Don't is worry. super sweet. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so you know, we've been on hiatus for a hot minute, and like we're still kind of on hiatus. You know, yes. we've got yes. lots of life things going on right now. So like. Don't call it a comeback, cause it ain't one. Uh, this is a, this is ex- quite quite frankly an emergency podcast in every sense of the word. I mean, in every sense, and like you know, like all podcasts of the wrestling world, if we just want to keep it a buck, some shit happened, and the narcissists in ourselves said we really want to talk about it, so we gonna make y'all listen to our thoughts on that shit. I love the way you laid that out there, and you just made me feel so bad about myself right now, because <laughs> I'm the one that texted you and said, what are you doing? <laughs> Bet you. Please. I love to talk. Don't feel so, bad. Let's lay down some ground rules, first and foremost. We're out, of, we're out of practice, number one. So forgive us for that. Number two, I don't have my editing tools, so it's, whatever it is is what it is. So ain't no intro. The cuff today. I'm saying ain't no intro. If my daughter comes in and interrupts me, that's in the podcast. Ain't no commercials. Sorry, Greg. We'll do better. Uh, but uh, you know, we still love you. And we love you so much that I came from out my cave and Kyle came from out his well, now you're in a relationship, so I can't say orgy no more. Um, from his no, but I got a story for you later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, the joy of Kyle's stories that he gives me. But, yes, so we, we want to give you some of this goodness. And clearly, there's only one thing to talk about right now. One thing going on that's worth bringing us out of hiatus and, and semi-retirement. Only one thing that is worth us talking a few things, though. Before we get to the one thing, like, everybody knows what we're here to talk about. For real, come on. It's me and Rance. Y'all know we're here to talk about our girl, Naomi. But, oh, well, I was going to make the joke we're here to talk about Wardlow, but yes, you, y'all really know what we're I here mean, for. I <laughs> mean, for real. We're here to talk about our girl, Naomi. But before yes. we get to her, because she deserves her attention, um, speaking of Wardlow, like, 
Reyes, we said for two years now that, like, eventually Cocaine Tony Khan gonna need some, like, structure up in this bitch. Because oh, when yeah. the boys is trying to, like, run the show for the boys, things are mad chaos all day or a day. Man, they go fuck around and piss MJ off, uh, MJF off, and he's just gonna be like, you know what? Vince can write me a fat check, too. And he might do lots of cocaine, but, like, he ain't going to be doing lines at the show. Here's what's impressive about that. I'm, Because I'm, we got, I have a list of quick hits that we were going to touch on. So I'm glad you brought this up, because this was going to be number one after the Sasha Naomi thing. What's, what's so interesting to me about the MGF situation is he is already so pissed off. And he got two full years left on his contract. Like, how early? That's really early in a situation to be like, yeah, I'm probably out of here. Because not everybody likes chaos. Not everybody thrives in chaos. Some people do. Like, some people genuinely do. They appreciate chaos. That's their shit. You know, they thrive in that kind of environment. Not everybody does. And, And like, MJF, you know, before Cody left, we all saw it coming because it was like, this man doesn't fit. With the rest of this show. Something about this don't belong here. The next person on the roster that I could think of on AEW's roster where I'm just like, this is like trying to force a square peg in a round hole would be Maxwell Jacob Freeman. Like everything about, like he can fit in AEW. He fits way better than Cody fit. In AEW, but everything about him as a performer, I'm just like, oh man, this was made for Titan Land. It's funny because the two people who are most made for Titan Land in AEW have been pushed the hardest of anybody of who's not established star, and that's MJF and Jay Cargill. They are tailor made for WWE, but yet, and maybe that's why he's pushed them so hard. To MJF's credit, everything he has touched has, if not gold, it's been silver. He's been a raging success with all things considered. Um, in the ring, he's shown he can go. We all know he's been good on the mic. He he is a bit too much too trolly in situations, but then he'll do stuff like the CM Punk promo where he basically was a babyface for for five minutes, or the dinner debonair, which I thought was the stupidest thing ever on paper, and I still think it's stupid for wrestling, but it's a fantastic ten minute watch. But it works. It's a fantastic ten minute watch. I'd also throw I'd also throw Britt Baker DMD in okay. there as far as like that is just something that like fits in with what that company does like she fits the thing about Britt is Britt is charismatic enough that she fits anywhere she's just one of those characters that you could work with anywhere Britt only has one negative and that she's been overpushed that's the only well, negative her work rate has. her work rate does not meet the level of everything else about her. Which can, which is perfectly fine on most North American televised wrestling products. That's fair. It, it means that, like, I wouldn't send Brit to stardom or somewhere where, like, you've got to be able to go, go in the ring because she can't do it. She, you know, she gives off Alexa vibes. Like, she's a better wrestler than Alexa is. She is a better wrestler than Alexa is, but, like, not by much. Not by as I- much as people think. So then, uh, so then I think the more appropriate uh, c- comparison would be Carmella. I was just thinking that, yeah, Carmella. 
Because Carmella's a really good wrestler. She has grown yeah. leaps and bounds. Yeah. And, and and you can plug her in anywhere. And Underrated. She has changed her character like five times, and every one of them is hit. So, mm-hmm. you know, now you may not like her because of this or that, but, like, character work is impeccable. The only thing I don't like about her right now is, like, well, she's... she's well, it, it, but it's not even about that itself. It's that, like... Her and Graves are the latest people that they've strapped the reality TV thing on. And of all of the ones that they've done it, I find them to be, like, not endearing enough for that to be a real thing. So you're spot on in in that thought process, but they're also the most reality-based-esque. What I mean is, if you were to watch Love & Hip Hop or The Bachelor or any of these reality shows on TV... Graves and Carmella are the closest thing that fits that. Oh, like, I mean, they were. I don't think it, we'd the enjoy... concept works. Yeah, I don't think we'd enjoy a full-on uh, introspective of the life of Tyson Kidd and Natalia. Like, they're playing with their cats all day. Like, and working out. That's not going to be interesting for TV. I'm just waiting for the Road to Ms. and Mrs. crossover special. <laughs> Look, when, when Graves gets back in the ring, because he is cleared... Um, I want to touch on one more thing before we move away from the MJF situation. Um, our friends, and I use that term very sarcastically, over at Voices of Wrestling. Now, mind you, I don't believe anything Voices of Wrestling says when it comes to WWE. But, as a good friend of mine pointed out, shout out to my boy Sam, they don't miss when it comes to AEW. If they say something about AEW, odds on you could believe it. They have reported that uh, there is chaos as you as you mentioned, amongst multiple stars are backstage are disgruntled with how things are. It's almost like one man who may or may not be on substances, but that's beside the point. It's almost like one man who's trying to run a football team, a football team, and a wrestling promotion can't mm-hmm. do all of that all at once. Shocking, isn't it? Hmm. And doesn't have a team at all for the wrestling one. Like, he runs the other two organizations poorly, but he at least has, like, mandated structure in place by the leagues. Yeah, and other news, water is still wet. Like, it's, come on, like, so the the quote is, a source from the AEW locker room tells us, Voices Wrestling, that MJF is hardly the only talent feeling some level of discontent, describing, as you just said, Kyle, the backstage atmosphere as chaotic. But the lack of structure, with common complaints ranging from not knowing angles or finishes until close to showtime, and things like redundant finishes and angles to set up matches being very frustrating. Not 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 knowing finishes until close to show. Where have I heard that criticism before, Rance? Um, everything being about pleasing one man, uh, huh. megalomaniacal owner who huh. is running things with an iron fist. In a chaotic environment, yeah. and and people don't know what's happening until the day of. I could I could have sworn I've heard these criticisms before, but I just can't seem to place them. I know where it is. Hmm. Vern Gagne's old territory in Minnesota. No, no, no. That's not it. It was Dixie Carter. That's right. That's damn dead damn Dixie. Um. <laughs> Tony and Vince are doppelgangers, bro. Like, if you ain't see it yet, like, come on. 
Come on. Like, this is straight out of the book of Monday Night Raw, which we're about to talk about with Sasha and Naomi. And and the that's the irony of it. A lot of fans, when I read this article and I looked up some research on Twitter to kind of see the, the, the conversation about this article or this report, a lot of fans were like, well, WWE does it, so why is the big deal with AEW? It's a big deal because AEW was built as the antithesis of WWE. And they well, and that's how they built their fan base on being. They built the their fan as we've said over and over again. They built their fan base on a lie. They lied to you and made you think that it was the boys running the show. This is just another megalomaniacal man with money who's promoting a company and pretending that it's all about what the fans want. And the number one boy who was running the show left and came back to WWE to just be one of, one of the boys. It's by the way, for the record. You can criticize something and still acknowledge that it's good. Double or Nothing is coming up this weekend. The show's going to be fantastic, like every one of their pay-per-views is. They have some... <laughs> Hangman Page versus CM Punk is a legit must-see match. Legitimately. I don't know if the build has been what we wanted it to be because, you know, Hangman Punk, had COVID, if, a couple if, things have happened. And if he don't drop the belt now, like, who the fuck are they going to, like... Get it. Put, Get it. Uh, oh, Kenny's just going to come back and, like, exile him again? Well, Kenny won't be from from what the reports are. Kenny was hurt, hurt. Like he wasn't just like, yeah, I got injured too. Like Kenny was hurt, hurt. Like he had to have like multiple different surgeries for different injuries, type hurt. So like he's healed from a couple of, from like the shoulder, I think, and stuff. But now he has to get the hernia fixed, and he's not coming back to leave the hundred percent. So that may be twenty twenty three. All right then. All right. So, then. but I do think he drops the belt. When we, Cal he needs to. Watch. I mean, he needs to. Like, I like, I like Hangman. I'm a Hangman stan. I am. But like, you were telling a story. The mm-hmm. story was told, and you haven't really told a new story other than he's the man on top of the. Like, you had Daniel Bryan destroy the Dark Order so that you could like separate Hangman from the Dark Order. Now they've pretty much done that, but like. He's got no real direction other than like I'm the fighting champion and cowboy shit, and it's like eventually I need like you to actually be doing something, man. You know this this bothers me about and most if not all major or mid major companies do this. Being a champion is not a character. Nope. And and you expect me to say this because I am Roman stand number one. I sit at the table at the head of the table sits at. But Roman is the best I've seen in a minute with making champion part of his character, but it's a bigger thing. It's not about him being and champion. And it took him a minute. It, it took, took him, him a minute. minute. To be fair, but, like, his first right. couple of reigns, like, he was very much just, my I am character, the champion. I'm champion, that's my character, yes. Spot on. But at least this time, the championship is kind of a conduit for him to say he controls this family. And so... It's a little different. It's not just I run the belt, I'm the champion, so now you got to face me because I'm the champion. And unfortunately with Hangman, I don't want to go as far to say they failed him. You may feel that beholden to say that, but they have not they have not helped him in his reign. Just great matches are cool if you are a indie or if you are a, not an episodic level of television. Episodic television, just because you're having great matches doesn't mean you're a great character. Well, and they fall into the trap that 
um, WWE falls into in terms of because their roster is so big and because they can only highlight so many people at a time, they are only building characters when they feel like it. And they're only building certain characters. And then they build they build them to a point and then that story is gone and they stop building. The the the, the most recent joke was uh, the Joker in the Owen tournament was uh, for the men was John Morrison, a.k.a. Johnny Elite. And the joke going around is that Wednesday he was Johnny Elite. Two weeks from now he's Johnny Dark because he will not be seen. <laughs> and he's not signed, by the way, for the record. But I mean, the joke has some semblance of truth because every new per when's the last time you seen Johnny Lethal? Don't worry, I'll wait. And and Swerve, and Swerve for the record, Swerve and Keith Lee are a tag team fighting for the tag team championship to double or nothing. But they're on Rampage. They're very rarely on Dynamite. Yup. So it's like, what are we doing here? And I mean, look at Team Taz. You saw how quickly that like just kind of became all about Hook on Rampage. And, and now Hook and and now Hook is hanging and with Dan Danhausen. And again, Danhausen is dope in his own right. But come on, dog. I don't get it. Maybe it's because I haven't watched enough of them two together. I don't get it. I don't either. I'm very confused. It all seems, as the report said, very chaotic. It's By the way, all that tag, just very chaotic. The tag team championship match is Jurassic Express versus Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks versus Swerve and Keith Lee. So the match will be fun. That should absolutely be fun. But, uh... I don't know, man. It's, again, I don't watch... I'm not watching really anything regularly because I'll fast-forward, I'll record everything. But yeah. I'm definitely not keeping up with AEW over these past few months like I was. Um, But you kind of see the things that they're doing. And you kind of see the stories that they're telling because, remember, Tony is a guy that'll have big matches, the big match every week. Um, Not a build to something. He'll... You'll, he'll Throw out the biggest match he can on a, on a random Wednesday, if he could. But then you'll see how things seem to be going. And then you get to the pay-per-view, and it's like, oh, well, this feud was working, and all of a sudden, now we're going to go to this just because we can. Well, and, you know, the thing about discontent is you mentioned that MJF had two years left on his deal, so, like, it looks like it could be heading for divorce. But the thing about discontent is, like, discontent can turn into I'm out, dog, at any moment in time and if you don't believe us look no further than kota abushi and new japan look man you can't just like come with this level of journalism off the top and we ain't worked our way into girl it, we no no we here at the outsider's edge podcast have a standard of excellence that we have conditioned our listeners to expect and that includes journalism so we go on journalism now hit us with all them facts about the fact that Coda read New Japan for filth, and New Japan was like, all right, fuck you, dog. Oh, man. So I got some information on that, but I don't have the tweets. I don't think all I right, have Well, while tweets. you're pulling up your information that you've got, while you're pulling yeah. up your information that you've got, man, it just feels so, like, symbolic that every time we seem to hear about New Japan these days, it is for some, like, signs of a sinking ship. Signs of a Stinking Ship or Bullet Club Reboot number 75. Well, yeah, because, you know, Juice is uh, with them now. And for the record, 
You don't say this often about wrestlers. But Juice looks cool in his Bullet Club regalia. Yeah. We'll give him that. Um, so originally, Kota just went off uh, and was, was claiming that New Japan um, was run by pedophiles and things of that nature. And he had a very public argument with Kikuchi, who I guess works in the office. I don't know if he works for New Japan or Bushi Road, whatever it was. Um, but he said he was going to expose the cheaters, goon, cheaters, and the sexually harassing bosses. And he also, which is, now that's as damning as it gets, but it gets more damning because of the country. He's, he's essentially claiming that they are run by the Yakuza. Now that, Oof. There's not in, in any re- in any in the Western world, it gets no worse than sexually harassing. In the Oof. Eastern world, <laughs> if you're about you to accuse Jackson. you accuse them of having yakuza ties. God damn, that's that's some serious shit. <laughs> it is it is it is not much. It's slightly terrifying. Put it like only that. slightly. Yes, like he needs to get over here to the states immediately. Now he 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 did allude to the fact that he was fired. But I guess, Mel, according to Meltzer, he's not officially fired. He ain't never working there again, dog. I just don't see it. Nope. He also said, one of his, his major tweets was, I will fight until the end. I will not surrender to them. And the interesting thing is, other wrestlers are alluding to it. Um, Toriyanu alluded to it this on his podcast. He said he, he wasn't thrilled that Ibushi was confusing fans with his outburst. But he said he's still Ibushi's friend and that Ibushi's still part of New Japan. Eh. Even apparently, um, Michael Nag- Michael Nag- Michael Nagazawa is that you say uh-huh. his name? I think Homie so, yeah. AEW talked about it, and Kenny Omega tweeted in all in all Japanese because again he is fluent in Japanese. Fire of resurrection will burn bright again someday. Let's hang on until then, everybody. Like there are so many small little allegories to things, and clearly nobody's gonna say the stuff out loud. Because, you know, there are lawsuits that can be involved. There's libel laws. I don't even know how the laws work in Japan. And then if the Yakuza, Yakuza, how you say it, is really possibly involved, like, all all I can tell you to do is go watch Dark Side of the Road about FMW and uh, Atashi Unita to see you know, what happens when you are involved with those kind of people. No, all I'm going to say is this. All I'm going to say is this. And this is about Bushi Road. This ain't about Ibushi. This is about Bushi Road. Bushi Road, a billion yen company. There is no billion anything company anywhere in the world that ain't tied to some dirty fuck shit. That's facts. So, like, like, whether it's the first part or the second part. Or both. Or both. None of it goes surprise me because there ain't a billion anything company that is not tied to some fuckery. I enjoy ironies though, Kyle. And I, this is not a situation where you can say enjoy in the in the in the context. But let me tell you why I say that. How long did they court this dude? Like they were trying to take him to prom, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't push him all the way because he wouldn't mm-hmm. sign a contract. And they'd give him nice moments. They gave him the Intercontinental Title match with. Shinsuke. They gave him they gave him the uh, never title and made it a main event level title and they gave him the big match with Osprey. And then he finally all... signs the fucking contract. Then he finally and immediately they scapegoat his ass. Well, no, no, no. Hold on. Immediately they let him win the G1 
back to back. And then he gets two title reigns in the second Wrestle Kingdom after he resigns. He wins the double championships. But what I was going to say is they scapegoated his ass for the decline in popularity at a company. Like it ain't like like he was the one who was responsible for the fact that they let all of those people like deuce out and form their own company out from under their nose and kill the North American expansion. That ain't got nothing to do with Coda. That's a great point. I wouldn't even think about that. That's a great point. Like, I mean, right, that you're right. When he finally signs the contract, they pushed his ass hard. But yep. then AEW happened, and then yep. the pandemic happened, and yep. throughout all of that, the status of New Japan started to dip, 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 dip among the English language speaking world, and it feels it feels very much like Coda just kind of got scapegoated for that. Like it was his fucking fault because they're not gonna blame. Um, Okada, and they're not going to blame Naito. Tanahashi, and they're not going to blame Naito, because those three are the, like, golden sons of the high-grossing era. So, like, they made you, it so Ibushi. You said, uh, you, you listed out, you know, that AEW happened, and the pandemic happened. You missed one more major happening. Evil happened. Ooh, yeah, I forgot. They brought back fucking Dick Tojo so that uh, they can make evil. And the, the House champion. of Torture, by the way, which doesn't exist I mean, anymore. No, it's, no, House of Torture still exists. That's the that's the Japanese part portion of the Bullet Club. The oh. irony in that, Bullet Club being a gaijin... Stable, but having stable. a Japanese faction within it. Just the... I, just, I, I, I enjoy irony. I do. Um... By the way, quick tangent, it hurts my heart to see Jay White, like, slumming, like, wrestling on random impacts against, like, Eric Young. It hurts my heart. And that's not just Eric Young, because Eric Young's a fantastic wrestler. But, like, you you were in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom, bro. Like, what are we doing? Should have taken the Vince money, man. You should have taken the Vince money. You he, Or the Tony money. The, the money in general. Anyway, he... He was the main event of 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 the. They sold out the Garden Dog. He's like twenty eight years old. Oh Jay. Oh man, he's coming to the states though, cause he just got married. So he's moving to the states eventually. Bring your ass, Jay. We're ready for you. Um. So I'm following your lead, big dog. Where you want to go next? Cause I no, got let's hit our last quick. We got one last quick hit from our uh, list of quick hits. And this is a, an important quick hit because, you know, we always talked about before we took our uh, hiatus, we always talked about mental health and taking care of yourself and doing what's best for you. You know, how about Stephanie McMahon taking a vacation for the first time in like checks notes ever? Yeah, that is. So I'm happy for her. I'm proud of her, actually, um, because she's she's been in the grind consistently, like lock and step with her father. Since like 98. Yeah, so I'm proud of her for that. Um, you know, they got three, I say young girls, but the oldest, Aurora, I think is like 15. So, like, they're not young anymore. Um, but also, Hunter is sick. And, like, he's back working desk job. But, like, they almost lost him. That really will kind of change your perspective in life. I'm sure she realized I got all this money. I got all this clout. I got this beautiful family. And I can't enjoy none of it. Let me take some time. Now, I'm proud of her. But I will say, this could be sneaky big. Company gonna miss you, her, big dog. 
Well, the company's clearly going to miss her because she's the face of the company. She's the chief brand officer. But I say it could be Sneaky Big because you know who's taking her duties right now. Nikki, the other con. And Con's I, wrestling right now. I, bro, I, look, I, clearly, like, what the hell is going on? But I, so, and I want you to, I want to get your opinion on this. I am not of the belief that WWE is, is, is preparing for a sale. I don't believe it. But if they're going to sell, now is when it's going to happen because Nick Khan taking over literally everything. Everything. And that is, this is this is something that could really be the precursor to a move if, if it was going to happen. If it were to happen, I say it would happen right now and they would negotiate one of those kinds of sales that gives Stephanie one of those, that gives the McMahon family one of those like buyback type clauses and oh, like, they'll stay majority like, just as major shareholders yeah yeah and like makes them permanent board members and blah 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 but like man comcast gonna comcast is gonna call nick a lot over the next like however long stephanie's gone like i would not be surprised if the peacock people were just like every other week just so what was that number again and and it's it's, it's important to note because that's all true. It's important to note that this is not this is in every sense of the word a hiatus. She is expected to be back, and this isn't meant to be like no two year or two year hiatus. Like she'll probably be back after SummerSlam possibly. So this is truly a break from what we've been told. Anything could change, but man, you're right, dog. Like well, it the also gives Peacock them the optics. And Fox and. But it also gives the McMahons the optics of, like, face-saving no matter where they potentially sold to. Like, if the House of Mouse were to come in with a big offer or some shit, Nick Khan can sell to literally anybody. And it's not the same as if Vince or Stephanie turned down NBC Universal after all of the stuff that NBC has done for them. Or the same as if they turned down Fox or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, it gives them... The leverage of just like, well, you know, he did what was best for business. I have nothing to do with that decision. You're right, but it won't be perceived that way because Vince still at, at the top of the. Of the oh, tool. girl, Vince runs everything. Yeah, when we clearly we know what's what we're about to talk about. Just, I'm, I'm give me a give me a ballpark figure. Mind you, WWE has a billion dollar deal with a billion dollar deal. Like, like what? Three different billion dollar deals three. right now? One with Peacock, one with NBC Universal for Raw. It's 1.25 actually. And one and one for SmackDown. Then they got the uh, UK deal, which is like 600 mil. And they got the MENA deal, which is like another five, 600 mil. Then they're working, I believe, on the Japanese deal or the Eastern, Eastern, Eastern Asian deal. So essentially, the valuation probably got to be at least that's just TV deals. It's not counting what they got. I mean, would fifteen billion be up? Be oh, I was thinking thirty. I was thinking thirty because you know you think about like they're not going to sell the way that like um, a sports team's going to sell. Like how much did um, how much did they force uh, Abramovich to sell Chelsea for? Something like millions or something. It was hundreds of billions. It was yeah. hundreds of billions. WWE's not going to command that, but like I could see them getting fit as much as fifty, honestly. Like because of the guaranteed revenues from perpetuity of these TV deals, the reach of the brand name itself, the fact that like 
live in-person entertainment has lots of leverage right now. Um, I'll tell you this. If I'm NBC Universal Comcast, I'm not buying this, if I'm going to buy it, until all my deals are up. Because why would I buy the company when I'm already paying the company $2 billion for for the TV shows and and their rights? I just buy it outright when I'm done paying for the deals. You know what I'm saying? It makes sense. Oh, that makes perfect sense. That does. It yeah. Because imagine, sense. imagine paying thirty or fifty billion dollars for a company that you're already given two billion dollars for, for, for rights that you're gonna own eventually. You just pay you're right. Money. You're right. I could see Disney trying to buy it though, if for no other reason than Disney buys fucking everything. You know, everybody says that, and I know because they do own everything and they got all the money. I don't see it. It doesn't fit the it doesn't it doesn't fit their forte. I don't think. I mean, I wouldn't think a lot of the things that they actually own fit their forte. Um, but you know, here we'll here's, see. Here's who I would give, and I'm not I'm no Brandon Thurston. This in my this is my not my area of expertise. Bezos and Amazon is a good shout. Man, I don't know if Bezos is really trying to make that kind of a play. That's very true, but he he is he's trying to get NFL right. That's his first foray into live sports. He did get a Thursday night show regularly. He just got the Lord of the Rings rights. Like he's trying to build something on that um, entertainment, TV, movie, video side. I could see Viacom making a push. Ooh, they're the only ones that WWE don't got no time to do with. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's why That's why I could see them making a push. We're going to put SmackDown on CBS? Oh, my God, with the old folk? Really? I mean, nah, we're going to put Raw on CBS with the old folk. Shit. So Blue Bloods and then Raw. <laughs> 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 All right. So- it'll be, no, it'll be, it's the perfect time for CBS to scoop it up because right about now, the fucking kid, the people that were kids during the Attitude Era are aging into the CBS demographic. That's so hilarious. all them Gen Xers, all them Gen Xers can break it down. <laughs> the demos already say they plus they they plus fifty is on fire. So might yeah. as well. All them Gen Xers <laughs> can break it down. Undertaker gonna be the new commentator for the CBS uh, Monday Night Raw. Oh my God, that's fun. It's gonna be. Uh, Iron Eagle and Undertaker calling the, the football games. <laughs> uh, no, Undertaker and Kane are going to be like Waldorf and Statler for some MAGA bullshit on CBS. Oh, well, I can see that being on Fox News very quickly. <laughs> and fit in very fantastically there. The um, Brothers of Destruction for Democracy. <laughs> That's already a show. Tucker for, Carlson? Tucker Carlson, uh, Laura Ingram and then Taker and Kane. Like I already see it. I already see it. I already see it. Jacobs and Calloway. I already see it. It's coming. Oh God, Jacobs and Calloway. <laughs> Brothers of Destruction with Jacob and Calloway. <laughs> Please don't listen to us, Rupert Murdoch and anybody over there. Don't listen. To oh us. my God, just gonna churn out the bullshit propaganda. <laughs> If anybody were to take this show and put commercials in, this is the spot where we would put commercials. So I guess we can tell you, as we try to take a break and turn the page, go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and get a shirt. Get one in soft style. It feels good on your skin. 
100%. And all the other stuff. I think we still got the Angry Lemonade deal. Angry Lemonade. Um, all the other deals we have, all the other parties we have. Thank you for being partners for us. Shout out to our uh, all the other um, podcast networks that we're friends with. Shout out to Visionary. Put your Shout money out to, where your mouth is. Yes. Support the things that you watch financially. If you're going to watch Double or Nothing, pay for it. If you're yes. going to watch the next network special, pay for it. Like, you know, these companies go out of business if y'all don't buy things and support things. Oh, the today's show is also brought to you by having an adult in the room. You know, that thing Joey Janela didn't do last night. Have y'all seen this, by the way? Like, if, y'all, if y'all haven't seen it, it is a stunning watch until you realize that nobody thought about this shit. The spot in question, because we know some of y'all ain't going to go out and watch it, because we said Joey Janela, and that has some of y'all out. Um, the spot in question, Mr. Janela was doing a GCW match where he decided to do a spot where he super kicked somebody with his foot on fire. Yes. In and of itself, needlessly dangerous and stupid, but, like, very on-brand for both Joey Janela and GCW, so, like, fine, whatever. No bucket of water, no fire extinguisher, no fire blanket, no flame retardant, no... No fired men. No gloves for the referees, literally nothing at all. Janela sets his foot on fire, does the spot, and then starts stomping on the ring and frantically trying to take his boots off before they, you know, melt into the mat. And what the fuck, y'all? Put an adult in the goddamn room. But I say but like I'm going to rebut you, and I'm not, because that's stupid shit. I'm just saying this is the same dude who the only reason he is famous to this day is because John Zandig Mishinoku driving him off of the top of a 20, 30 foot building onto the back of a truck with like multiple tables, light tubes, and such and such and such, which ended him with a shattered ankle. And he has said it numerous times, numerous times, that is, he, he would do it again and again and again because that is what made him who he is. Also, the this same is the guy, same man who let John Moxley staple a lit cigarette to his forehead. So I forgot about that. Wow. Yes. And for the record, and this isn't a diss. This is going to sound like a diss. I promise it's not. But this is also the same dude that until he signed AW was still living with his moms. Now, that's not a diss. I'm saying that to tell you he was doing all of that for nothing. Yo. They paid now. And Joey is one of the highest paid dudes on the he's indie an in- now. I was going to say time. he's an indie staple. Yes. He's basically like Brett Lauderdale's number two, I'd imagine. Yeah. In GCW. Because most of these shows he's booking. Um, so like it worked out for him monetarily, like he's paid, he's taken care of now, but I'm just saying that's what he felt he had to do to get noticed. And to his credit, he's noticed now, but like, please, again, adult in the room with there's, I get, I get the appeal of deathmatch wrestling. It's not for me. And I get, that's what some people do. God bless you. Live your life. But again, there's a way to do deathmatch shit and be smart about it. There's a way to do fire and be smart about it. The and, and, and if you are the aforementioned adult in the room and you're dealing with some like AEW style nonsense of you telling some motherfuckers like, no, nah, we ain't going to do that. We ain't going to do that. We ain't going to do that. And they don't listen to you. 
Um, remember that fire code states that they have to have a fire extinguisher in the building somewhere and that you as someone at the event who is running the show have full license to just move that over to ringside real quick because you know a motherfucker don't want to listen. Well, with you saying that, we can guarantee this match was not in New York and Kentucky because <laughs> those those wrestling, uh, what do they call them? The, the, uh, the like, the, boards? The, like, yeah, licensing whatever. boards? There's a, there's a term that they call them, but the boards, those two do not play Mm-mm. at all. Nope. Nope. So They'll take I'm, your license so fast. Was it in Evansville, Indiana, was it? I mean, it maybe because, you know, anything goes out there. Well, you remember uh, Indiana, Illinois, those states was where Axel Rodden was running IWA Mid-South and the things they were doing. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's the Wild West. Yeah, so... So, but anyway, um, yes. All right, let's get into the main event. Let's get into the main event. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. So, like, there's a long history in wrestling of people taking a ball and going home saying, mm-hmm. nah, fuck this, we're out. Um, and yet another in that saga apparently occurred recently. And uh, talk to the people, Brother Rance. So I'm going to give it to you as we know the the story to be. Again, everything we're saying, as we always say, are reports and conjecture. We don't know until the people involved speak about it. But it has been essentially unanimously agreed upon and accepted that what I'm about to tell you is essentially what happened. Starting Monday, the first version of 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 the show had Sasha, Naomi, Dewdrop, Nikki A.S.H., Oscar, and Becky Lynch in a six-pack challenge to main event Raw. Whoever won would go to face Bianca Belair at Hell in a Cell. This was set. It was even advertised. And even Sean Ross Sapp, who gets the scripts early, released this before the show started saying this is the planned main event. So this was not something that they came up with last minute. This was the plan all day long. When Sasha and Naomi got to creative, from from what we've been told. And I'm assuming this is Molly Holly came to them or one of the producers. Molly Holly was mentioned a lot because she does a lot of, her and TJ do a lot of producing for the women's division. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, They weren't happy with it. There's been multiple reasons why they weren't happy with it. I'll get into that as we talk more about this, but they weren't happy with creative. So they went to Vince, as Vince tells you to do. Vince agreed with them and went to change the match. Okay. And I guess maybe he talked to the creative team or he talked to the producers and I guess they got his ear and made him see the error of his ways, quote unquote, and he changed his mind. And that, again, made Naomi and Sasha upset. And once the show started, they were trying to get it changed and try to do this. And eventually they got to the point where they realized we don't give a fuck. We're done. They went to Johnny Ace's office who is, again, the head of talent relations since uh, Corano got his bitch ass fired. Fuck that dude. And they Man, put that their... dude sucks. If y'all hate Bucky Beaver, Kevin Dunn, y'all should be hate Mark Corano. But um, they went into Johnny Ace's office. They gave, him his, they gave him their championship belts, and they said, we're leaving. Now, this is happening during the show. This, that, this is important to note, because many people think it's happened before the show. We could have just pivoted. No. The one rule Vince subscribes to more than any rule is you don't mess up live television. That's the reason why, and I know I'm bringing up old shit, 
But that's the reason why Tyson, uh, why Titus O'Neil probably got suspended 60 days, because he did that shit on live TV. Would have been on TV, that's, he wouldn't have cared as much. And that's I know the reason why they buried the shit out of Austin. 100%. And I know this sounds stupid, but if that's the owner's only rule, then that's something you have to be cognizant of. Nonetheless, as it happened, they clearly had to pivot and Vince made the decision. I don't know if somebody put it in his ear or whatnot, but he also made the decision to bury them on screen, starting with Becky Lynch acknowledging it in a promo backstage, which was said to be Becky's idea, just to set up the match for Becky and Oscar. And then, further, furthermore, later on in the show, Graves, uh, they had Graves acknowledge it and, and, and kind of disparagingly, and so on and so forth. And during the show, now, I may have my timeline wrong, but during the show, they released that statement, but they first released it to Sean Rossap. And then they put it out after the show on their website and on their Twitter that they walked out and now the statement is bullshit. If anything to be upset, it's a statement because they said they walked out and then they said that they were unprofessional because they had problems with, with wrestling two of the people in the match. So Sasha and Naomi, had a problem with wrestling either Piper Niven, Nikki Cross, Becky Lynch, or Asuka. Well, and of course, because of the way well, and of course, because of the way the company did this, and they knew exactly what the fuck they were doing. It's part of why they did it. Uh, because of the way that the company did this, cue the racists in the replies. Well, oh my this. motherfucking god. And that is um my boy uh Kazim Fummy White cast from uh, the Masked Man show and Complex and all those other things, former writer for WWE, was that was what he was most angry about, that he that they just kind of threw them out to pasture and said, here, deal with this. And he didn't appreciate that. And I understand that because there were always going to be people who are going to take things like this and take advantage of it to spit their own rhetoric and what they want and whatnot. So that's where we are. Now we can talk about the 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 conjecture of why. Any thoughts before we do that? Um, my only thought is uh, my reply to one of the things you said was just like you said. I don't know if somebody put it in Vince's ear. If he thought of it himself, ain't nobody put that shit in Vince's ear. Vince knows what he's doing. He knows when he wants to bury people. That's fair, but again, ultimately it's his reason. Ultimately it's it's ultimately it is his. He's the final say. But just like we've seen multiple times. The uh, uh, Montreal Screwjob being the most po- popular. That was Hunter's idea. And Vince was like, okay, let's do it. And he took the blame. Vince will take the blame for another person's idea if he goes with it because he knows it's his, it, it, he's the be all end all. So he may not have come up with the idea to bury him. Odds are he did. I just want to let that, just put it out there that we don't know. Uh, um, my other thought is. Well, actually, no, I want to actually wait until you say some of the conjecture part, because, like, my other thought honestly ties into some of the conjecture. So go ahead. Okay. Okay. Well, so the the conjecture, the, speaking to the reasons, possible reasons, of course, WWE would like you to believe that they uh, were unhappy with the creative and they didn't want to wrestle some of the people in the match. That was basically shut down immediately uh, by reporting and by a lot of the wrestlers themselves, because... These girls know each other. They would have contacted each other and figured this out. So that's that's no. We've had other parts of other things of conjecture that 
So Naomi was apparently supposed to win the match and go on to face Bianca. And Sasha was supposed to end up facing Ronda at Hell in a Cell. Part of the conjecture was that they, which is, this is probably the leading theory, is that they didn't like that because either one, they were so, they're so gung-ho on the women's division, given as, seeing as they were kind of promised bigger things that didn't come through and then they were given the tag titles and then they were promised that they would make the tag titles relevant again. And then you put them in singles matches where there's fighting for championships that they're going to just ultimately lose. They're placeholders instead of building a competent tag team match, so on and so forth. Yep. That's yep, yep, yep. right. Okay. And the tag team feud. Helping that theory is the fact that Becky and Asuka are already feuding about the championship. Mm-hmm. And Nikki and, and Dewdrop are just kind of throw in there anyway. So a part more of the conjecture was that Vince offered them the op- opportunity for them to lose to Nikki and Dewdrop after they won these matches. Okay. Right. There's further conjecture that Naomi has been upset for a long time, rightfully fucking so. And that she does she's tired of being everybody's second choice. Can I say something with her? Like yes. specifically, legit and and I say this as a big Naomi stand. Yes. And, like I think the only reason she stays with them is because her husband family has loyalty to the company. I honestly think Naomi would have sought because of exactly what you're talking about. I honestly think Naomi would have sought out other opportunities to be a more showcased star in one of the other North American companies. Like I really do at some point. I want you to hold on to that. that. I want you to hold on to that thought because I have, I have a response to that and I I want that. It's probably going to make a whole nother conversation. So hold on to that for me. Okay. Don't forget it. Cause I know I will. Um, so that's the Naomi, the Naomi idea. Now, this isn't shade. We're speaking facts here. One thing we know factually is that Sasha has thrown her weight around a lot when she's not getting what she wants creatively. She has left. This is, that, this is like a third time walking away, taking a break because she wasn't happy or she didn't like the creative or whatever. And... Oftentimes, it, all, it usually revolves around her not winning. I don't, I'm not saying that this is the case here, but that also plays into effect because from the, a lot, from the reports, Sasha just is, everybody, people don't dislike Sasha, but Sasha has a reputation, and she was starting to kind of move past that, and this just kind of fell back into it. It's also important to note that just reports, again, I, I keep prefacing this because I want you to understand this is not coming from any of the horse's mouths. Most people understand their argument, but disagree with how they handled it from the reports because they're saying that they either, one, don't think that the issue was enough to walk out on, or two, you don't walk out during live television. So there's there's so many. Th- oh, and also, I, I don't mean to say this for last, but this is the least substantiated rumor, which could be the which could mean it. That's the most true. There is reports that th- there were arguments going back and forth between Sasha and Naomi and some of either the producer or creative. And 
someone told them to fix their attitudes. Now, you know the connotation. You never tell a black woman to fix an attitude. Exactly. Now, if that is what they were told, that is the one thing, in my opinion, that will make an understandable reason to say, well, we're out of here. So, like, I mean, there's so many things I want to say about this entire situation. Like, number one, the women's tag team titles have been a creative albatross since their fucking inception. Unfortunately. They have been a creative out. They were created for the best of reasons, and they've never been used properly because of what we talk about all the time. WWE and AEW has the same exact problem. Neither of these companies can book their women's divisions outside of the title. Well, I'm glad you said that. I want you to finish, but I just want to want to add to this. The one time they were used correctly was when Bailey and Sasha had the championships in both world titles. Like, and that's the thing. Like, they can't do these things without the like title being involved they can't build characters or establish feuds and within the tag team division like i had said this privately when this situation first happened and this has been my thoughts on the women's tag team titles from the very beginning a company that cannot consistently book its men's tag team divisions has no business creating a women's tag team division you can't book the tag team you got spot on that's like asking for another pet when you don't take care of the first one you don't feed this dog how the fuck do you expect me to think you're gonna feed the other one so like that has long been my feeling when it comes to the women's tag team titles now as far as you know sasha building a reputation and sasha kind of being a little bit diva-esque I buy that, but I also can understand the why just in terms of, like, who the fuck else they going to push. And that's their own fault. That's their own fault. She is their best bankable mainstream star. Um, but, no, I do come back to that thing with Naomi, and I said this before. Like, I really think Naomi's only re- stayed loyal this long. Because she's part of the Anawai family now, and the Anawais are like ride or die for Vince. So let's talk about that. I think that there is a very fair, strong argument to that point. Now, this you're, you're probably disagree with this heavily. I am not convinced, personally, that Naomi loves wrestling. I think, like a lot of people, Naomi loves the WWE because it's a WWE is not wrestling. It is it, it is wrestling, but it's a, such a different world, you know. Like I don't know that I would see Trinity Fatu working the Indies and going to Impact for and signing a contract or going to Stardom and signing a, and that. And I don't mean any disrespect by that. I don't mean any disrespect, but Naomi has been there all those years, and she has not been pushed, but she has been valued because she's been get she's paid well. She, she's all she was the first woman I could have ever remembered them giving uh, them turning the lights off for, and at a time turning the lights off for entrance was a big deal. Not to do it for everybody, but at the time she got it. Uh, she's got things now in the same breath. They ain't giving no damn glow belt. 
thing like there so there's 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 positive and negatives they have not treated her well overall but she has she has been treated better than a good portion of the fan base she won her championship at WrestleMania in her hometown you know she gets the big Royal Rumble spot every year like so i think i think she love i think she likes wrestling and she enjoys wrestling and i think wrestling is the career choice she's happiest with but i don't know that she loves wrestling like sasha loves wrestling if sasha quit today well if sasha before the mandalorian quit today she's going everywhere oh no 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 i still think sasha would go places especially because she can combine her old ring name and her new ring name mercedes banks is money as a oh, name. I didn't think about that. Oh, I was—I thought she was gonna go with Mercedes, but Mercedes Banks. No, is fine. Mercedes Banks is like—I I thought of that the other day. I was like, oh yeah, she she could just walk out and be Mercedes Banks. That's fire. I gotta give you that. That is fire. Yeah, she could hey, still Ma- be the boss and everything. Makazi, cut the check for my boy Kyle, please. <laughs> yeah, shit. Well, cut like I just thought about. It. I was like, oh yeah, you know, it's like the the pun on Mercedes Benz, and it like it all rolls off the tongue real well. I'm just like, oh yeah, Mercedes Banks. So and so let so which let me is say also this. why the company doesn't give people two names anymore because then you fuck around and somebody can do shit like that. <laughs> Talk to him, sir. Talk to him. Oh yeah, yeah. Sasha's Sasha's just some shit they call me. My real name Mercedes. Look, they, 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 you see it every day on the damn Indies. So let's let's talk about Sasha for a second. When I first heard the story, and this is unfair, but this is based on the reputation she has built. My first thought was, and my biggest fear was, Sasha walked out and Naomi just followed, and I was terrified for that because. Let me give you the example. Let me give you a perfect example. You're not, you don't really watch pro football anymore, but when you did, you, you identify as a Steelers fan, right? Okay, yeah. If Ben Roethlisberger said, I'm out this thing, he's going to get a call the second they leave. Well, well brother, Leslie, we got to fix this. You want to come back? What can I do, right? If the backup offensive lineman walked out this thing, bitch, you gone. There's a level of clout that people get based on the position that they hold. With all due respect, Sasha got the level of clout. Well, she's going to get a call. Naomi does not. And so it felt like to me immediately, like almost career suicide for her to hitch her wagon to Sasha when Sasha can do whatever she wants, essentially, and Naomi can't. Now, it looks, for the record, I want you to finish. It looks more and more and more like this, like Naomi was the one who probably wanted to walk out and Sasha walked with her. Now, if that's the case, it changes everything. But at first, I was worried. I'll say this. All I'm going to say is this. When the company gets past this, because they will. This the company. They ain't fucking stupid. They're going to get past this shit. When the company gets past this, they've created the perfect baby faces because they've handled themselves like such jackasses in the wake of the situation. And they've been so shitty in the wake of the situation that it is so easy to root for Naomi and Sasha now because now you're working for the worker in the face of their shitty boss. Especially with the optics of it being like, 
oh yeah, because y'all don't give a fuck about these belts and y'all don't give a fuck about this division, which are both true and fair things and are like an active problem. What the fuck are you going to do with this division? What the fuck is the long-term point? You know, and it's another great example of they give you shit to work with and you go out there and you make that shit workable and you get it over and people like it and then they like it too much. And now you're in a position where you want to ask them to do something and you fuck it up. And to add to your point, this is why people think it's a work because it's set up too perfectly for them to get over from this. That's but you know what that is though that is the smart mentality of tw- of the 2020s like we're in this like post work wor- world where like nobody ever wants to be worked and everybody always has to be in the know so everything's a work that way on the like one out of every 10 tries where it really is some like long con work you can try to act like you were above it and you knew it was real when so you're saying it's like it's so you're saying it's like Brian, aka Clive, and every time there's a a TV title, uh, a a championship title defended on television, he thinks it's gonna be a title change. Nah, it's more like <laughs> it's more like when everybody said uh, Moxley leaving was a work, and they're like, oh no, when Dean Ambrose makes his return to World Rumble, and it's like not nah, like the company didn't make this into a thing; they literally just put it on their shit renee told you this was real he uh, told you this was real everybody uh, is telling you this is no bullshit but it's a work i uh i don't appreciate that voice because i was one of them that thought it was a work so i don't appreciate that i mean <laughs> i apologize for nothing no don't because no because I, I look hindsight 2020 i was dumb as fuck so can we get controversial i mean let's screw this up together I, t- I kind of tend, I kind of tend to agree with WWE. On which part? The, the statement was was just an abject, disgusting failure. They should have not done that. That is the one thing that they've done in the situation that I think is disgusting and heinous, and is gonna fuck them over in the end. It was out of line. However, looking at this logically, so many people want to say. First of all, most people jumping on this because. They want to be pro. They want to be anti WWE. So anything negative about WWE, they want to jump on it because it's it's a bad thing. Or they want to, or they're jumping on it because they want to be anti woman or anti black or anti black woman. Well, you're talking about the other end. I'm talking about people who are who are supporting Sasha and Naomi, Uh, just uh, because WWE is the thought thought to be the aggressors in the situation. Your point, which we will talk about, is all true because. This invokes Big Swole all over again. Um, but I'm talking about uh, in any WWE, anything WWE does that's perceived as negative, people are going to run with it and say that this is the reason why WWE is terrible. Just because they're looking for a reason to think WWE is bad. And they are. But this is, it harkens this. But I agree. There is bad creative. And then there is, I don't like this. What they were given wasn't bad creative, in my opinion. Over, just like you said, they can't book their men's division, tag team division. So why do you think they can book their women's tag team division? 
history has shown us that the greatest thing for the tag divisions is if they push y'all as single stars for the championships. Because ultimately, the champion, the tag team championships are being shown. And you can make something of that. What if Sasha and Naomi got the title shots? I'm, now, this is conjecture for me. I'm going to get back to the point. And Hell in the Cell, they lost because Dewdrop and Piper, Dewdrop and Nikki cost them the match. That is fodder for a feud. So first and foremost, I don't think the creative was bad. Secondly, I'm assuming, I'm, I'm working under the assumption that the personal attacks, the fix the attitude stuff didn't happen. If it did, I changed my thoughts. I'm just talking about the idea of them not liking the creative they were given and um, fighting for the tag team division. Secondly, they gave, they told you they would give you the match with Nikki and Dewdrop. So it's not like you didn't get what you wanted. You just didn't get what you wanted in the way you wanted it. That's a big difference to me than not getting what you wanted. Um, and thirdly, and, and this is the one I think that'll touch people a lot more than anything. In the history of WWE, in regular, in reg, this doesn't uh, this doesn't count for regular regular um, jobs or regular work careers or regular companies. Strictly speaking, for WWE wrestling in general, but specifically WWE, there has never been a time where walking out, not quitting, I'm saying going, taking your ball home, still getting paid by the company, still being employed by the company, but you just left because you didn't like something. There's never been a time where it's come back and it's helped. There's only been two times where the company was wrong. And Brody Lee and Mustafa Lee both tried to quit and they wouldn't let him. So I so I give that I give that a pass. But and everybody else, people trying to equate this to Cody. Cody quit. Cody left and said, I'm gonna prove you why you're wrong. And then did. Sasha, if not if Sasha Naomi quit. If they really left the company and they said we're going to prove to you, like if they stood on their laurels that much, then I'm with them. But you know what? They didn't, they, they didn't work Monday. They didn't work Friday. They didn't do any, uh, they didn't do any house shows. They still got, their check still came this Friday though. They still got paid. They're downside. So like, how are you really standing on your laurels? What are you really trying to prove if that's what you're doing? And that's my part. That's my issue with it. You're not, it doesn't work. You're not going to get what you want. You're not going to make your point by walking out. I think the bigger point could have been made if they stayed. And I, I know this is a terrible, it's not a terrible, um, it's not a terrible, uh, uh, no. Uh, um, I use the New Day as an example. And I know I hate using them because that's the one that everybody uses. But the New Day is a perfect example of how you work within the system. You know what? We're going to do what you want us to do. And we're going to show you it doesn't work. We're going to do it to the best of our ability and see it doesn't work. And then when we show you it doesn't work, we're going to say, trust us to do it. And we'll even put our jobs on the line to prove to you that what you wanted didn't work, what we want can. And we'll prove to you that it does. And once we prove it to you and you see it, then that's how you get clout. Walking out, don't get it to you. Not in the WWE. Now, if you're a teacher or you work in a factory, you know what I'm saying? Or you work in a warehouse and you don't and you're and you're being mistreated, get the fuck out of there. 
But when you're making three, four, five hundred thousand dollars, I just that's not in a company that's run by one dude. This is, in my opinion, just not the way. I mean, I would just say this though, like genuinely, if I'm talking and I'm talking and I'm talking and I'm asking to be listened to and you're, you know, not hearing me, I got your attention. Uh, you're right. It might not work out for me the way that I thought it would. <laughs> but I tried talking to you. I tried going through the proper channels. I tried bringing this to your attention. I tried explaining all the reasons why this wasn't or this was a problem. This wasn't working. Like I, I tried everything that I could and you weren't hearing me. You were ignoring my plights or worse. You were lying to me and saying that she was going to do one thing and then doubling back on it. Um, I got your attention now. Yeah. Now, again, you're right. It might not work out for me. Historically, it has not worked out for people doing that because the company controls the creative, which means the company controls the line that gets to the public in most cases. Now, granted, I would argue that most of those cases happened in a pre-social media world. All facts. So people have more of an ability to get their own narrative out into the ether. You know, great example being the Mustafa Ali situation, like the company couldn't create a narrative there because he straight up said, I've asked for my release. This is my reason why. These are all of the things that I do not stand for. And they didn't freeze his contract to our knowledge. And they, you know, they wouldn't release him. And eventually it was just like, all right. Come back, finish this out, we'll be done. Um, So, like, who's to say how it's going to work out for Naomi and Sasha in the long term? But I'm just saying from the standpoint of, like, I understand the optics. Um, I also would just push back a little bit in terms of, like, you bring up how much money they make. And, like, it does matter in the sense that, like, it's way more fucking money than I make teaching kids, like, for sure. But... When I think about labor disputes and Money's I think about, been. yeah, when I think about the situation at hand, I'm just like, yeah, this person makes more money than me, but this is still a power dynamic situation of like, I provide a service that like I can only provide within, especially because of the way that this particular industry runs in the United States, I provide a service that I can only provide to certain people. And if I am at the top of my profession, I can only work in certain places. This is one of them. And I happen to make shit tons of money, but this company still controls literally everything. And so I am a worker in a, in a labor dispute with my employer. And so like, and that doesn't mean that if you're, sympathetic to the wwe that doesn't make you icky or a bad person or Mm. anything like that i'm not saying that at all i'm saying that like at the end of the day this is a labor dispute this is a labor dispute and you can be you can absolutely be team you signed contracts and you agreed to do x y and z as part of those contracts and you're not upholding your end which invalidates the arguments that you're making about what the company is doing you're absolutely allowed to be in that camp but you're also allowed to be in the camp of this is a labor issue a a long used and very effective strategy 
in labor relations when it comes to power dynamics is I'm going to withhold my service. Yeah. 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 You spot on there. Yeah. And so like, I feel like you are valid to think either of those things. And it doesn't say anything about you as a human being personally, if we're just talking about like, where do I stand on it? Like I am long, long, long on record saying you dangle that independent contractor label when it's convenient for you and you dangle that employee label when it's not so like if this is a case of an independent contractor then these independent contractors have every right to withhold their service yeah from the company and if the and the company has every right to strip them of the titles and decide that they're gonna have a little bullshitty tournament Look, you're spot on. Like, I don't. I think both parties within their rights. I absolutely do. And I think both parties made massive mistakes. Like, I thought oh, yeah. that's the most. That's one of the most disgusting things I've seen from a PR standpoint in a long time. It goes to show you Steph is gone. Because if Steph was there, that would have happened. Uh, I don't think. But um, man, you can't. It also like, feels. It also feels very indicative of that. Like. There had been rumors going around a couple months ago about the direction for women in the company being not the same as it had been. Hmm, and, I, don't, I, didn't get, I didn't see that report. Oh. oh, well, like I had heard some things about like it being a little bit more like not all the way Divas era esque, but like a little hmm. bit more like how you look matters. And I did see that, actually. Yeah. OK. All of that. And it's like, yeah, this feels a lot like that. Yeah, in a sense of just like, you know, if we're in an era where work rate don't mean shit within the women's division and it's just about like where you occupy on the card and what you can do for the division, this makes perfect sense. This is very on brand with that. But also like if anybody can uh, capitalize on leverage and if anybody has leverage to capitalize on, it is Sasha. Because she could walk the fuck out right now. She could tell them if she didn't love wrestling, love wrestling, she could absolutely tell Vince, hold my contract. I don't care. I'll go work for Disney for the rest of my life. Bye, bitches. Well, she is paid, yes, because she's good. She is an active part of the Mandalorian universe. She will be back. I just just hate that. I'm usually pro-worker, too. But I'm big on accountability. And I just feel like there's always a straw that broke, can't break the camel back situation. I get that. But the, 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 the situation in which you decide to put your foot down is that you're winning and fighting for the titles at, at, for, for the championships at a pay-per-view is a really bad time to put your foot down. Yeah, but from yeah, but this is why I'm more inclined to believe you or believe you in the sense of like Naomi is probably the person who pushed and Sasha supported. Because here's the thing, we're looking at this, we got to look at this in a chess standpoint of several moves ahead on the board. If I'm Sasha, it doesn't fucking matter one way or the other. I can do this. I'm like a a 20-time champion anyway, and like they're going to give me another title reign and make me a main eventer and all that other shit. It's just a matter of when. If I'm Naomi... Well, like, how are we going to book this tag team division? Because, like, the second that my run with this is done, y'all are going to forget about me for another year and a half, by which time I'll be pushing 40 and I might not be feeling wrestling no more. So, like, what is my long term? That's a great point. That is a great point. Because this this always has been more about Naomi than Sasha to me. 
because she has she has the most on the line. She has um, the most the biggest the biggest issue with the future. Naomi's contract is up, and I think at the end of this year, like, there's a lot involving her that doesn't involve Sasha. Um, that's why this is always a big Naomi situation to me. I wish I wish them the best. I want look if they need to stay gone for a few months, they're gone. Like whatever's best for them, I want them to do. But I also want them to get it figured out because you can absolutely make have a fantastic career, a thriving, Hall of Fame esque, lucrative career outside of the WWE. But you probably want to do it there. I mean, like we say on almost every episode, and we'll end on this note, you know, do what makes you happy. Do what makes you happy. If that's staying with the company and figuring your shit out, do that. If that's walking the fuck away to either another company or to other endeavors, do that. But, like, do what the fuck's going to make you happy and be loyal to you because God sure knows Vince is only loyal to Vince. Um, And as you said so eloquently in the past, how many zeros? Yeah, like, explain to me just once once again. And, And that's what I'm pretty sure is going to be happening with Nick every week. So how <laughs> many? So Nick, how many zeros was it again that you need us to write on the check to sell the company? How many zeros? Oh, so there you go. There's that conjecture again. Uh, and on that note, <laughs> hey y'all, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Schmores. You can find my good brother Rance on Twitter at Elon underscore Musk. He ain't at- buying that shit no more. Oh well, okay. Well then, since he isn't at uh, at it's Ray Cash, R E Y as in Mysterio, C A S H as in dollars. Um, you could find the show at Outsiders Ed C S. We are part of the Chairshot Radio Network at Chairshot Media, where you always use your head. That's still the, is that still the slogan? Did we change it? Nope, nope. Still the slogan, as far as I know. Okay. Um, I remember y'all. You know, we here at the Outsiders Edge are some not so young gentlemen anymore doing everything that we can trying to make it out here in this world and unfortunately that means you know we're going to be very inconsistent with posting shows because like we got to take some personal time to deal with some family stuff but no matter what every time you hear us it's going to be that same power of positivity and insightful way of looking at things that is very different from everyone else on this network was it a positive show girl it was insightful Okay, so the second word works better than the first. <laughs> and on that positive note, thanks for listening every time and anytime. We'll catch you next time. Whatever next time is. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.